Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear Hotline. We've got today a billionaire tweeting. Steve Young, live. Your grievances on the phones. And the running back, who might just be the most important player in the sport. All that and more. Our cup runneth over. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. All right, the one place to start is with our poll question today because I really like it. And I want to admit where it came from. This is a business in which we tend to borrow from each other every now and again. I used to joke all the time that when we used to do Mike and Mike, I would then watch all the rest of the shows on all the networks all the rest of the day, and I'd say, oh, they just took our rundown. So I, I feel comfortable taking others. Yesterday, I read a promo for First Take, and one of their topics was, who do you think wins the Super Bowl first among these three quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, or Josh Allen? They're all drafted the same year. One of them has gotten his big money contract right now. The other two are waiting. They're all on really good teams in the AFC. That's a pretty interesting question. So we took it today, and I've got it up on my poll, or I've got it up on my Twitter, I should say, the poll question, at ESPN Greeny. If you had to bet on one of these guys this year, this season, to win the Super Bowl, would it be Josh Allen, would it be Lamar Jackson, or would it be Baker Mayfield? Hashtag Nuno, I'm starting with you. Who you got? Uh, what, what sound did you just make? What, I just, what, uh, what, what was that? It was probably exasperation. I, I, trying can, to think about this. Can you this? make it again? Because I couldn't see you when you... Oh, that's just like a, a heavy yeah. sigh? Yeah, it's like a heavy sigh, exasperation. I, mean, I, I thought for maybe for one moment... Like, that's what it sounds like when you're talking to someone on the phone and they're outside on a windy day. <laughs> and I thought to myself, is Nuno doing this job today from outside on a windy day? No, it's hot like hell outside. And <laughs> I'm probably going to go there in the afterlife, so why not? You know, hold off. Um, I'm going to say Josh Brown. What uh, did he just say? <laughs> what, you're going to go where in the afterlife? Well, he said he's going to hell. Outside? <laughs> no, well, it's... Oh, like you're going to a hot place. <laughs> yes, exactly. Might as well hold off on that, Greeny. Took me but a to minute. answer your question, it's going to be Josh Allen. Josh Allen, what's one vote for him from the Buffalo Bills? Hembo. Lamar Jackson is my answer to that question. I'm more confident in them because I've seen it for longer. I've seen them be elite for two and a half years. I've seen Josh Allen be elite for one. That's the tiebreaker for me. I'll say Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Well, isn't that interesting? And I'll make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless because we got ourselves – a three-way tie. We certainly don't have that on Twitter. 69% of the vote that I have looked like a lot of people were voting early, too. I, I just put it up this morning, like just before 6 o'clock. Um, I'll take a look at it in a minute. I'm charging the phone on the other side of the room right now. But one way or the other, <laughs> so I don't have it in front of me. Nuno, what, or Hemba, one of you, tell me, what, what, is the, what is the poll right now? 69%? 69% for Josh Allen, 18% for Baker Mayfield, 14%. For Lamar Jackson, 13,000 votes. I'm here to tell you right now that I believe the answer is Baker Mayfield. And I'll give you a couple of reasons. If you were starting a team and you were choosing amongst the quarterbacks, I'd probably take him third. But I'd take his team first. Now, I know both the other teams are really good. The Ravens' defense is outstanding. It's elite. They've added some weapons on that offense. Let's see what it looks like. The Bills are complete, and they are an organizational success story par excellence. What they have done to build and develop a quarterback in Josh Allen, they all deserve extraordinary credit, starting with him but extending to a lot of other people. The piece to resistance on that was bringing in the receiver last year. 
So I give them a lot of credit. I think they're really good. But I think the Browns are better. I think the Browns are better. I think the second half of last season, the Browns looked as good as anybody. And they played Kansas City tough. You know, that crazy call? I mean, these games seem so long ago, but remember they had one of those where the ball went out of bounds in the end zone, and so it was a touchback and all the rest of that? They're right in that game. They had an excellent chance to beat Kansas City. I thought they had a better chance to beat Kansas City than Buffalo did in the AFC Championship game. So I I really believe that the Browns, with the addition now, if you want to call it that, the return of Odell, they had a potentially excellent draft. That defense should be much better. Jadeveon Clowney. Greg Newsom, corner Northwestern, first round. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker who could have been a top 10 pick in this year's draft but fell because of some medical questions, and obviously those require answers. But if the answers come back positive and he's playing, he was the steal of this draft. He's like a heat-seeking missile on the field. He's like a 220-pound linebacker who will just fly around and crush people. So I think it's the Browns. It's less about Baker than it is to me than it is about his team. So we got a three-way tie on the show. We got 69% voting in one direction for Buffalo. And let's see, uh, hear from you as we continue. I'll leave the poll open until the end of this program here today. So you got an hour and a half. Jump on at my Twitter page, at ESPN Greeny, and cast your vote. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Meanwhile, that wasn't the question of the day. This is the billionaire owner of one Major League Baseball team is tweeting like a fan. Do you love it or do you hate it? Hembro brought this up to me yesterday, and we didn't have time to get into it on the show. His name is Steve Cohen. He's a billionaire. He's a very famous billionaire. He's at times been a somewhat controversial billionaire, but he's a billionaire. And he's a legitimate fan of his team. He's a fan who bought his team. Uh, There are guys like that. Daniel Snyder is that way. He was a legitimate fan in Washington. He bought the team. Robert Kraft Mm -hmm. was a season ticket holder. He bought the team. They're living my dream. My dream would be to somehow, I don't know, happen across $5 billion (laughs) and call up Woody Johnson and say, all right, Woody, (laughs) what's it going to take here, my man? (laughs) I want the Jets. But Steve Cohen... As a fan, and I think as one who recognized that the, the fans of his team, for those across the country who don't understand, the previous ownership of this team, the Wilpon family, was generally reviled by the fan base and largely because they believed the team was sort of run like a mid-market team from a, a, a revenue or from a, a payroll standpoint when they play in the biggest media market in the country. And there were, you know, the Bernie Madoff fact, all of that stuff went into it, one way or another. The point is, I think Steve Cohen feels a little heat to do this. But on Friday, he tweeted, how about a little positive energy for this weekend? I'm feeling the offense is about to get going. He responded then subsequently after a loss on, oh, they lost that game. Then they lost on Saturday. And after that, some fan trying to poke at him tweeted, hey, Steve, where's the witty tweets? And he p- responded, I'm not in a joking mood. Then on Sunday, he went into the clubhouse before the game and tweeted, I just visited the players in the clubhouse. They're ready and in a good frame of mind for this game, a game in which they then went out and got shut out by a former Met named Zach Wheeler. So the question I'm asking today is, if you're a fan, and you don't have to be a fan of the Mets for this to be relevant, do you love or hate 
the fact that the owner of your team, this billionaire, is tweeting the way you would, candidly, the way you probably are. When you read Steve Cohen's tweets, they are just slightly more restrained than mine while watching the Jets. Steve Cohen is just slightly more restrained than I was last year when watching Adam Gase. I think the apex of my Adam Gase last year was when I said that I wouldn't hire him to coach my son's t-ball team, which was probably going over the line. I acknowledge that. But I get passionate. I get emotional. The first casualty of emotion is reason. That was an unreasonable thing to tweet. I recognize that, and I feel a little bad about it. But it happens. Do you like the fact that the owner is doing the same thing? Go around the same horn. Nuno, love or hate, regardless of your team, love or hate the owner tweeting like a fan? No, don't do that, man. That's Why? my job. Like, <laughs> because I need you to, it feels like you're not completely taking it serious, right? Like, and he's joked about it and, and everything else. Like, no, focus on your team. I do want to hear from you when they're struggling. Hey, Giants, owners. I do want to hear from you then, but face the media so they can ask you the tough questions. Stop tweeting. Well, so Twitter, it's an he makes an interesting point there, whether you meant to or not. Twitter has changed the dynamic of that relationship, whereas the, the owner now can communicate with his fan base without the semi-permeable membrane that is the media in which his messaging is all going to be ciphered or filtered through all of these reporters and where the, he is going to be answering questions that he's not choosing. Like on Twitter, if you want to answer someone's question, you can pick and choose which one you want. It's a lot easier. That's actually an excellent argument. It is a safe harbor, a safe haven for an owner to communicate with his fans because he can choose whatever he wants to say. He can choose how he wants to say it. He can take as much time as he wants to formulate his thought, and he can respond only to questions he chooses. Hembo, love or hate an owner tweeting like a fan? I hate that Steve Cohen and owners tweet like fans because it's inappropriate. It's not right. It, I view fans as, let's we'll use the analogy, the fans are investors. They invest their time and money into the team. If I have money, say, tied up in a Tesla, I don't want Elon Musk every other day tweeting when the market goes up and down. It's not, I want, I want a, a beacon of stability. I don't, want, I don't want this. I don't want him to be ebbing and flowing like I do as a fan. I want him to be unemotional, even if I know he is emotional. If Steve Cohen really wanted to put his money where his mouth is, he would have been much more certain that the Mets did a lot at the trade deadline to improve their team, not visit the team before they're about to get shut out when they're facing the best pitcher in the National League. It's too late for me at that point. What they should have done was prioritized that and throw this nonsense on Twitter by the wayside. Okay, so that's two votes for hate it. Coming up in a moment, I will explain to both of these gentlemen why they couldn't be more wrong. I'm Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Call or click today. Find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. So you will hear that, and then you will hear hugely important news that I am starting to sense might ruin one NFL team's season before it even begins. That's next. We're just getting started. My name is Greeny, and you're listening to ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Steve Young in our second hour today on the Goodyear Hotline. It's been a long time since we've talked to him. And speaking of Steve, we have very, very big, potentially big quarterback news 
that I'm starting to think might ruin one NFL team season before it even begins. We'll get to that and more coming up in 30 seconds after this word from ZipRecruiter. Now, according to Forbes, gyms, stores, and more are set to go on an epic hiring spree to meet the pent-up demand for all these services. Businesses reopening means that millions of jobs will need to be filled. So where do they turn to fill these roles fast? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. You can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. At ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. All right, so I asked a question a few moments ago of both Nuno and Hembo, and they both got the answer wrong. So there was an owner in sports today who was tweeting like a fan. It doesn't really matter which team it is or which owner it is. In this case, it happens to be Steve Cohen, the billionaire owner of the New York Mets. And I read you a couple of the tweets that he posted there, support of his team, talking about how down he is, oh, I'm not in a joking mood today, all the rest of stuff that fans might generally say. And Nuno said, you know what, that's my job. You go take care of your business. And Hembo said, I don't want to hear about that. Do a better job owning the team. Go out and make the moves that need to be made. And here's what I'll say. If you root for a team where you, as often as not, believe that the ownership really doesn't care that much if you win or lose, let me tell you, that's way worse. Way worse. I would greatly prefer some tweets that kind of annoy me every now and again than having to sit around saying, these guys don't even care. They don't care if we win or lose or not. I, they, 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 that, that is a genuine feeling I think a lot of people have. I remember talking to Mark Cuban once. First time I ever met Mark. He came to ESPN. This is a long time ago, fairly early in his tenure as an owner, but he had already been kind of upsetting the apple cart. You know, he, he I mean, David Stern probably fined him, I don't know, something in the neighborhood of a billion dollars. But <laughs> one way or another... I remember uh, I was assigned to do the Sports Center interview with him, and in those days, the walk from the newsroom to the Sports Center set was a really long walk. And he and I took that walk together. It took like 10 minutes. So we're just making small talk. And I'll never forget one of the things that he said to me. He said, There are some owners who cannot stand the pain of losing money, and others who cannot stand the pain of losing games. And what you want. What you want, I'm now talking. That was the end of what he said. This is now Greeny talking. What you want in your owner is one who can't stand the pain, of, the pain of losing games. Because I know exactly what it's like to root for ownership that only cares about the bottom line, that couldn't care less outwardly or even inwardly about how the team is doing. Now, every owner wants to win, sure. Everybody wants to win. It's like the legendary Lombardi line. Walk into the room. Have all the owners sitting in the room, all the owners of all the NFL teams, or in this case, the baseball teams, all 30 owners, have them all sitting in the room and say, all right, everyone who wants to win the World Series this year, stand up. They'll all stand up. But they'd say, how many of you, all of you, who are willing to commit everything that will take to, com- to, to making that happen, who are willing to sacrifice for it, for whom this is actually as important to you as your bottom line or other things, please remain standing. Telling you right now, in an honest moment, the overwhelming majority of them are sitting down. Winning is nice, but it's secondary. So you know what? I will live with my owner acting like a fan 
so long as it, I genuinely believe he cares. That it hurts him when we lose as much as it hurts me. And that's my reaction to this. What do you think of that, Nuno? I, again, I, I don't want that. I know it should hurt, right? Like, I know that as an owner, you should be bothered by it, but I don't want you tweeting like a fan. Uh, you know, like, I want you to tell me, hey, this is how we're going to correct the situation. I'm going to bring in a manager or head coach that's going to do something. I'm going to go rid of, get rid of that general manager who hasn't fixed this offensive line for years. You know, that type of thing. That's what I want to see. Stop tweeting after every game. I get it. And baseball is a unique sport because there is a game every single day. I'm not suggesting that I think this is the greatest idea of all time. I'm just saying that of all the things I've heard people complain about their ownership, tweeting too much feels low on my list of concerns. Hembo, did I convince you of anything? No, but it is a point well made. If you're choosing one or the other, you'd rather have uh, Steve Cohen than, a, uh, than an owner who is uninterested in the outcome of each and every game. But that doesn't mean that it's right. To me, what matters much more than him proving to me how much he cares is proving to me that he knows what he's doing. And in, that ca in the case for the Mets, just in this particular example, that would be building a better roster. That's, that's, how, I, that's how I view it. Like well, he's, he's in charge of the thing. Right? I get it. But he also spent a, a billion dollars during the offseason mm -hmm. on the infielder that everyone was saying he had to, and he went all the way and spent all that money. And if it weren't for an injury to that guy and to the best pitcher that ever lived, things might look awfully different right now. It's also in his first year of ownership. I mean, we're expecting a lot. This is a guy who, yes, we feel like they're falling apart, but they're still right in the thick of the pennant race here. We're on August, whatever we are, the 10th or whatever today is. I mean, I think, I think the expectations for this particular guy coming in were so high because the previous group had been so disliked for exactly this reason, and this guy has endless pockets, I, I think that sometimes you need to give the guy a break. I, I will live with the tweeting so long as I genuinely believe that he cares. This is Greeny, and whether your best means being the best bingo player in the office or the best volleyball player on the planet, you're going to need some help. Almonds are your snack to keep your head in the game and your body energized, so refuel with almonds. California almonds own your every day, every day. The Scoop. Okay, uh, here's the scoop. I am starting to get a sense that this Dak Prescott thing is not nothing. So Dak Prescott, as you may know, strained, did something to his shoulder, throwing shoulder, July 28th. And every word we've heard coming directly from the coaching staff of the Cowboys has been, it's nothing. It's nothing. It'll be throwing tomorrow, eh, next day, uh, next week. Well, here we are. We're a long way away from that. And not only is he not throwing, but Michael Irvin went to training camp, Cowboys legend, and observed something that he shared with our friend Ed Werder on the Doomsday Podcast. Listen to this. I am a bit concerned that it, this thing may be a little bit more serious than, than they're playing on to. I, I watched Jack today, right, taking snaps, doing his draw. He still used his off arm. Now, that means you use your off arm to throw that ball two yards in front of you. If you can't crank up two yards <laughs> right now, why, why am I to believe in, you know, two, three weeks you can get up 60 yards? I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit concerned with so this is what is starting to happen. The whispers are coming out. I'm not a reporter. I was once upon a time. I'm not a reporter. I'm not Adam Schefter. I'm not Ed Werder. I'm not sitting here telling you my sources are telling me this. 
I'm telling you that people whose opinions I value are telling me they're starting to hear these whispers. That this is a much bigger deal than they're letting on. That there is more concern for this than they're letting on. And let me tell you right now, I hope to God that we're wrong. I hope that what I'm telling you right now proves to be completely wrong. I like Dak. He's a really good guy. He finally got his money. Let's get him out there and let him play and let's see what the Cowboys can do. I'm ecstatic for him. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing. And if Michael Irvin is telling you that right now when he needs to flip the ball to someone, he's using his off arm to do it, to flip the ball two yards, and that the, what the, while the coach can say whatever he wants, the owner, who has no filter because he doesn't have to, is telling you that we have consulted with the Texas Rangers and how to handle arm injuries. Start putting two and two together. See what number it adds up to. I think there is cause for legitimate concern in Dallas for the quarterback. And I will say it again as loudly as I can. I sincerely hope I'm wrong. All right, next. I'm ready to go right now. Green light, green light with Greeny. All right, Hembo, I'm giving you the green light today to answer the following question. Did the New York Yankees and Kansas City Royals play the strangest game in baseball history last night? Yes, and I can prove it, Greeny. The Yankees-Royals game last night was the first in the history of Major League Baseball in which both teams scored in the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th innings. And for good measure, each team also scored in the 11th. It was the wackiest game in the history of baseball. So, so, okay, I have a couple of questions about that. The Yankees blew four saves in four consecutive innings and still won, <laughs> which is <laughs> incredible. They're the second time that any team has ever blown four saves since saves have been tracked in 1988. Um, and in this case, they wound up winning the game. So it's obviously a very strange night, but the most important piece of it, if you're a fan of the Yankees, is that they won for the ninth time in 11 games, and they have, despite all of these COVID issues that they are having, and they are significant, um, obviously anything involving COVID is frightening and terrible. Um, when you factor in that it seems to be happening one by one to their most important players, it was Aaron Judge, and that's Garrett Cole, and now it's Anthony Rizzo. This is bad, obviously. Having said that, the one piece of the stat I don't understand is you just said to me, and it was in my notes earlier today, mm -hmm. it's the first time ever that both teams have scored in the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th innings. How, and then they scored, they both scored in the 11th innings. So it has to be the first time that's ever happened also, yes, right? Yes, of course. Okay, so it just adds to it that. It just adds to the context. Okay, so, right. so the point is, what <laughs> happened had never happened before, and even one inning fewer than that had never happened that's before. Right. Mm -hmm. The Yankees had the lead and blew it in the 7th, and the 8th, and the ninth, and the 10th. Then they took a three-run lead in the 11th, gave back one of those, <laughs> and won by two. That's right. It is the craziest night of all time. But the Yankees, this is, here they are. I mean, and, and this is a team whose temperature we have taken more times than any other in the sport based upon the expectations and then the disaster and then they started coming and then the one after another haymaker punch of a loss and then the acquisition of Rizzo when they look so good and now he's got COVID. What does their, I don't like to use, I shouldn't say temperature obviously because they all have COVID. What does it, where are we right now with the Yankees? I think what the Yankees this season have been more than anything else is just resilient. They've, they're a far from perfect team. That we know. We know people don't like the manager. We know people don't like the construction of the lineup. We know that people don't like the depth of the pitching staff. But, like you've said many times, Greeny, and accurately so, 
This team has absorbed more haymakers than almost any team in baseball, and right now they're only two games outside the playoffs. If, if there is anything to say about this club, it's that Aaron Boone has done a good job keeping them on the straight and narrow somehow because a lesser team would have fallen by the wayside a long time ago. And so why is it that when I had Robert Stanberry only the third, a.k.a. Buster, mm-hmm. on television this morning and I asked him, do you think the Yankees will make the playoffs? He said very little chance. Why did he say that? He gave me a 30% chance. Well, first of all, they have to – there's still two games behind right now. Like if the playoffs started today, they'd be outside the picture. And there are four good teams in the American League East, and all, 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 every single one of those teams is a lot healthier than the Yankees are because every time these guys go on the COVID list, it's 10 days. So the Yankees are shorthanded. They're going to have to play a very tough schedule against the meat of the American League East. And again, there are four teams right now. The Yankees, the Red Sox, the, the Blue Jays, and the Rays are all really, really good. And so the Yankees don't have hardly any margin for error. So winning a game la- last night is really encouraging if I'm a fan of that team that I can you know, fall back down and get up time and time again. But you're not going to be able to do, do that over the course of the next seven weeks every night. So the American League is an interesting place right now. The AL East, I mean, the Rays have a, a four-game lead, which is, I'm not going to use the word comfortable. It is what it is. The Red Sox are falling, and we'll see if they can get up. The Yankees are coming back, and the Blue Jays are very much in it. Out West, you have the Astros, and you got and then you have Oakland sitting a couple of games behind them, and the loser of that thing figures to be in a wild-card position. And then you have the White Sox, who were just running away and hiding in the American League Central. They started out really hot, then they started giving some of it back, and now they're running away. They, they've basically put that thing on ice. The, the, the White Sox are not only the best team in the division by a long shot, right now they're the best team in the American League by a long shot. They added Craig Kimbrell at the trade deadline. Their bullpen is absolutely magnificent. If you want to see what a team looks like in 2021, it's five guys that can throw 100 miles an hour on the back end. And Greeny, they haven't even been healthy. They just got back Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez, both all-star caliber bats within the last couple weeks. Robert just made his debut, I think it was the first time since April last night. These guys absolutely mashed. There's nothing that they can't do. Nothing that they can't do. So there's our green light for today. And it does actually bring me to another note. Uh, I'm Greeny, by the way, brought to you by Samsung Galaxy. Reddit user Jaw1073 says, you got to look yourself in the mirror and ask, am I ready for this life? You won't be able to go back to mediocre after this. Are you ready for this life? Find out at samsung.com slash reserve. Meanwhile, mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after its time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. See, I I am that person. I, I am that rare genius who sees things as they could be and asks, why not? And I am frequently criticized for it and mocked for it and other things, but in most cases, I've turned out to be right. And I think I'm going to turn out to be right on this one as well. So yesterday, I was going through the notes, and actually, I was going through some videos, and they were showing a game in Pittsburgh in which a little boy looked to be about, I don't know, six, seven years old. Did you see this? Maybe he was younger than that. A little boy went through like every emotion. The cameras, I guess, on the broadcast of this game. I, I, don't, I don't even know who they were playing, but it was in Pittsburgh. And the kid's wearing like a Pirates jersey and he's very cute and he's very expressive facially. And they keep cutting to him and his emotions are all over the place. They, when they're winning, he's a, a, out of his mind happy. When they're losing, he's out of his mind angry. The game is going on. He's hungry. He's eating a hot dog. All this stuff is going on. And at one point, I hear the announcer say, well, it's dinner time now. We've been here all day. It's the 17th inning. And the thought just popped into my head. Why do they play 17 innings in a baseball game? Why is that? 
The only obvious answer is because it's what we've always done. But if there's one thing I hope you have learned from listening to me over the years, it is that it's the way we've always done it is the single worst answer you can ever give to any question that begins with the word why. So I would ask you, in a world in which they take these huge soccer games, soccer games that mean everything, that decide the World Cup, the Euros, the CONCACAF, the, whatever it is you want, whatever the biggest soccer tournaments, a Champions League, whatever it is that matters to these people, and they decide at some point we just can't play anymore, we're going to go to something gimmicky. Why is it that the National Hockey League decided, you know what, at some point we just can't play anymore, we're going to go to something gimmicky? Why is it that the National Football League said at some point we just can't play anymore, we're just going to end this thing in a tie? Why does a baseball game just go on theoretically indefinitely instead of having some mechanism to shorten it. Who wants to sit through 17 innings of a baseball game? The teams don't want to play it. The pitching staffs aren't cut out for it all. No fan in their right mind wants to eat three meals at a baseball game. <laughs> These games, if they start in the evening, that game obviously was an afternoon game because the little kid was there until the end and he was eating dinner at the end of it. It probably started at 10 in the morning considering how long that must have been. Why don't we have some mechanism for shortening artificially a baseball game before it just goes on far longer than anyone wants it to? Hembo. Because a tie it has never and never will be a satisfactory end to a baseball game. It never has been and it never will be. And you're using all these arguments from other sports, but who's to say that those sports are the ones that have it right? Who's to say that baseball is not the sport that has a right, that we're willing to play until there's a winner and loser as sports were intended to be played, and these, that these other sports have it wrong? No. And here, let me tell you why I mm. say no. College football, games ended in a tie for like 100 years. I did some research. No one died from that. Soccer, huge games, massive games, ended in a 1-1 tie. How many times have I heard a draw? A nil-nil draw. No-no. How often do these games end in a draw in soccer? Big ones. Hugely important games. Constantly. Constantly. That's one of the options in Vegas. You go to Vegas, it's like as popular a bet as anything. Win, lose, or draw. The expression is win, lose, or draw. Hockey games used to end in a draw. They created a mess. So, okay, you don't want it to end in a tie? I'm fine. Create a mechanism. People yelled at Rob Manfred. He put a runner on second base. Oh, God forbid you should do something that moves this damn thing along. Find some way to end this game. I'm not sitting here anymore. We're in the 17th inning. I'm much too old for this now. <laughs> but don't you want to appeal? You want to do what your fans want. When, when baseball, when the All-Star game ended in a tie, you famously had the Green New Rule come after that, everyone freaked out, and it was a game that didn't even matter. They baseball freaked out for 10 minutes. They freaked out. If I hadn't made a big deal out of it on the radio the next day, they would have forgotten it the <laughs> day after that. We just turned it into the home field advantage in the World Series because, you know, we were that kind of ahead of our time. You're welcome. Anyway, the point of the matter is, like most geniuses, I will not be fully appreciated until long after my time. But the reality of it is, we need to come up with some mechanism so that we're not sitting there until the cows come home to play a regular season baseball game. Coming up next, I will offer you absolute proof that the most important player in the sport is a running back. That, after this word from California Almond. So you want to be your best. Whether your best means being the best bingo player in the office or the best volleyball player on the planet. And to do that, you're going to need some help. Your teammate to tackle anything and everything. 
A handful of almonds have six grams of plant-based protein. They're an excellent source of vitamin E and magnesium. It's the snack you need to keep your head in the game and your body energized. So whether you're going for the gold or another round of bingo, refuel with almonds. California almonds. Enjoy your every day and own your every day. Every day. Greedy on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny, and I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Don't miss Steve Young live in 45 minutes. Outstanding quarterback, just outstanding analyst. A million things to talk about with him with the preseason getting underway. So so we were just having a, a quick chat before I explain to you why there is a running back who I believe might be the most important player in the sport. I just told you because mine is that rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after my time. Baseball is now the only sport left that can just go on forever, forever. And you know what? It's done. It's done with that. Pick an inning. How many innings are you willing to say, all right, at this point we need to end it? And if you're not willing to end it in a tie, then we come up with a gimmick, a la penalty kicks, a la the shootout, a la any other number of ways they do these things, that, that we will come up with a gimmick to do it. How many innings are you willing to sit through? Twelve. 12, 12 innings. innings. Okay, I like it. I was expecting you to go much higher. I thought I was going to have to negotiate you down. Well, the whole point of that, I mean, it seems to me that front offices hate the fact that they have to use all their pitching and right. it throws off their roster. So to me, that's, if, if, that's the, if that's the issue, injury, 12 innings. 12 innings. Nuno, are you with me on this? That at the end of 12 innings, if it's still tied, we're going to come up with a, an artificial means of deciding the game, or would you rather it ends in a tie? Which one would you vote for? We have to figure something out because here's the worst part. MLB changed this so we don't have these long games, and we're still having these long games. Like, they need to figure something out. Right. So they, no, 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 they can't. So we're going to. We're going to figure this out. What can we do to artificially end the game? Well, you have, you make this, you're you making an example out of something that almost never happens. One out of 1,000 baseball games goes 17 innings. Great. Is it worth making a rule for 13th such, inning? For I'm, such we're, we're, we're cutting this off after 12. Okay. We live in an attention span where most, or in an era where most people's attention span is eight seconds. By, by the time we're at 12 innings, you've already asked me to pay attention to five hours of this. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we need to shorten it. So, or we need to cut it off here with something exciting, with something people can look forward to, like penalty kicks, which I grant, while I hate them to decide a game, are exciting. Mm. What can we do? I have an idea. Home run derby. Replay the game. The next day, like they always do. No, more baseball. How about we put a time limit on baseball games anyway? (laughs) Like, say, hey, three hours. If it's not done in three hours, everyone goes home. Yes, yes. Like, do it that way. Like, do it that way. Time limits. Because you know what? Say what you want about soccer. We know when it's going to end. It's with you're in and out in two hours. You know. Two and a half if, if there's extra time. Let's just do that. I like it. No, part of baseball's charm is its timeless. Doing a, putting it on a clock, that's like when I was coaching a team in Connecticut and like the umpires had to leave to, to umpire a different tournament after two hours and 15 minutes, which was always the rule. I hate that. That's, that's much more gimmicky. Your answer to how should we find a way to have less baseball cannot be play more baseball. Yeah, I think a doubleheader the next day would be appropriate. You're the only person who wants to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to save my running back thing for okay. the top of the hour when I have more time so I can stay on this topic. Mm-hmm. What can we do? There are ways we can do it. I had this conversation with a soccer guy, by the way, there, little Nuno. 
I had it. Who was I talking to? Oh, uh, one of my golf buddies played uh, Division One soccer and is a huge soccer fan. And I said to him, what do you think of the PKs? And he said, I hate them. He said, when I played, I hated them when we won and I hated them when we lost. When you lost, it was obviously terrible. And when you won, it still felt empty. He said, start taking players off the field. Start taking, so we can do that. So after a certain number of minutes, pick your minutes, then just start taking soccer players off the field. Man advantage, whatever. I mean, just start taking people off until you eventually get a goal. We can do that in baseball. How about this? After 12 innings, only two infielders. We're taking out infielders. Or, or just, you can only put, you can only put, right now, you have a pitcher and eight other people. So what we would do is after 12 innings, we will do a, we will do a pitcher and only six other people, you can position them anywhere you want. What do you think? I think that's much, your whole problem is that these, are too, these things are too gimmicky. In no, my sports. problem this is the is game is too win. long. The game is too long. We're not doing this in the, in the postseason. <laughs> We're not doing it with games that matter. We're doing it to try and shorten the regular season I games. I think as we speak, Rob Manfred just put Theo Epstein in a limousine to come down here and remove you from the air. These are, these are blasphemous rules. Baseball is a sacred game. You are playing with the fabric of a sacred game, Greeny. I think Theo Epstein is actually coming down here with a notepad. No. He's coming down no. here to take notes. Theo, you're welcome. Give me a call. Uh, just get your people in touch with my people. I got a million of these ideas. We can start taking players off the field. We can start limiting who can pitch. So, I, and I'm not even talking about position players. Fans. No. I want fans pitching. Steve Cohen would pitch. I want Steve Cohen. <laughs> I want Steve Cohen pitching for the Mets while tweeting. I want I want the fans on his Twitter to be able to choose what pitch he's throwing, and we'll just lock his account so the opposition can't see it. That's it. That's the solution to the problem. You're welcome. The most important player in the NFL is a running back, and I'll tell you who he is next. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.